if you jump on the trails, you know, and continue developing your aerobic engine uh, for a long time, which is this is this is the part that is not that easy, right? The long time period uh, and like consistency. I think eventually you will get faster uh, no matter what. Uh, but then, of course, if you are smart and you get a coach, you know, and you are following some structure, you know, and you throw in some specific sessions, you know, on a weekly basis or even like every two couple of weeks, uh, I think you can definitely get faster uh, doing trails. Welcome or welcome back to the Virtual Podcast, Running Long. I'm your host, Francesco Pupi, and I'm a professional athlete for Nike and also a Virtual coach. Today's guest is Max Keith, a trail runner from Chile and, of course, our own Virtual co-founder. Today with Max, we talk about some common misconceptions in training for trail and ultra running. With the recent increase in participation in trail and ultra running and more and more people coming to trail running from the roads or other endurance sports, team sports, or from being sedentary, I think it's a good idea to discuss some common myths and not always accurate ideas about training for trail and ultras, such as training for trails and ultras will make you slow or that you have to live in the mountains in order to succeed at trail running. You have to commit to either roads or trail, and you have to run a very high mileage in order to succeed at ultras. If you have any further questions, topics, or doubts that you would like us to discuss here in the podcast, please let us know and get in touch. You can send us a message on Instagram, on Facebook, or I left a question box on Spotify where you can submit your questions. For those of you who are new here, Bertrand is the number one training app for trail and ultramarathon runners of all levels. Our mission is to make trail running accessible to everybody and everywhere through affordable coaching. That's why all our coaching plans cost $25 a month. With your Bertrand subscription, you will get a personal coach who checks in with you each week to answer your questions, adjust your training plan, and keep you accountable and inspired. For those who want to give training with Vertron a try, you can take 30% off your first month of training with the code RUNNINGLONG30. So here we go. Without further ado, please welcome Max Keith. Max Keith, welcome to the podcast. Ciao, Fran. Um, again, super happy to be here and always a, a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, welcome back. It was just a couple of weeks ago that we were chatting about... Uh, my race at Templier. Uh, you know, now now the off season is over and it's time to restart some <laughs> winter training. I'm actually feeling like um pretty refreshed and like willing to put in the work and build a new season and start planning and and dreaming about new races and experiences and yeah, getting excited to to train again and of course taking it easy, like not expecting to do too much too soon because it's not necessary. I have to take it easy and think in the long term. Um, but yeah, things have been going pretty well on my side. What about you? Um, yeah, no, I mean, first of all, I think um, I was following you doing a little bit of hiking, you know, uh, I guess close to your home, which looks like a paradise to me. And we were literally <laughs> talking about that, about your backyard before we jump on the call or whenever we start recording it. So yeah, no, I think, uh, yeah, 
we trail runners and ultra runners are so bad are taking time off um in general you know even some champs uh, and i know this because i personally struggle with like even taking one day off <laughs> but i think um you know just like having this i guess i don't know if plan is the right word but just like putting an end to your season and just being conscious about like trying to unplug a little bit for the whole thing it just probably makes you, you know, come back, you know, uh, more motivated, I guess, or more excited about, you know, the, the new goals for, in this case, for net, next year, I'm assuming, right? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things that, you know, I know it's hard to mentally, you know, um, be willing to take that time off. But at the same time, I, I do feel like it's, it's really good beyond, you know, the physical aspects of like just, you know, not running for a couple of days or even a couple of weeks. But uh, more for the mental, you know, break. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, this time of the year, it's usually the best one for that. Uh, of course, it all, it will always depend on your calendar. But um, I mean, for us in the northern hemisphere, for you in the south southern hemisphere, it's I'm, different. But I mean, I, I guess so. But yeah, for whatever reason, I mean, I, I've always gone, you know, go to the summer to the northern hemisphere. So for me, it's also normally a time of the year that I'm kind of uh, taking it easy. Uh, not so much this year, but uh, but yeah, like in general, I think overall, regardless if it is during the fall or in the spring, for some people, it just I think it's good to you know take a moment, take a deep breath, and just you know chill for a bit. Yeah, of course. Actually, I, I find it harder to take a, you know, a rest day or a couple of rest days. I, I agree. Um, Sorry. It's all good. What's what happened? I thought I, I thought the, the conversation was ended by for, for some reason. Sorry. Uh, no, I can pick up from where we left. No worries. No, uh, no I was going to say that. Yeah, I think I, like no, I was, just um, the honestly, thing I, taking, I, I find it, I find off, it harder. Yeah. yeah, I find it harder to take one day off or a couple of days off during the season because I interrupt my training yeah, cycle, yeah. training uh, blocks or whatever. Or like, of course, when I'm taking, you know, two, three days off, it's because I I'm changing plans. And that's the hard thing that I find. Um, it's way easier for me to put an end to my season and, you know, do a whole two week of rest as I did this year, like no running, no cycling, just, just a little hiking, but like nothing related to training for two weeks because my body and my mind really needs it. Um, I, I'm starting to realize that more and more every year. Um, so yeah, just just a little detail that I wanted to add, but actually I was thinking for you, um, it's, it's not actually the end of season. Like you have something pretty big coming up. You want to tell us a little bit yeah. about it or is it, is it a secret? I mean, it's, I guess it's, it's, I think it's technically a secret because I don't know if we have done anything, uh, regardless, you know, saying to the world that this is happening. So I guess, All right, so let's keep our, our style like about the experience after. Yeah, 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 exactly. Do the thing and then tell it after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I always just struggle with like saying too much about what is coming. Uh, I've always liked to talk about what I've done instead yeah. of what is coming for me. That's good. And of course, everybody's different. But like, um, I just feel like, you know, for me personally, it's always good to have some time reflecting after I have done something that before I have attempted something, especially when it's something kind of 
big. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just gonna say that I'm very excited for something that I'm about to do in like two weeks from now, and then yeah, I'm looking forward to share with everybody who's willing to listen. You know, um, how that went. Of course. So um, today's conversation was just an excuse to talk about training, basically the thing that we love and that we take care of every day, whether it's for ourselves or for the athletes that we coach. Um, and, you know, I think with the, like we talk all the time about the increasing participation in trail and ultra running and uh, the sport expanding and becoming bigger and more professional and more and more people coming to trail running from the roads, from other endurance sports, from team sports, or also from being sedentary. I think it's a good idea to sit down and discuss and talk about some common misconceptions that that um, uh, kind of affect our sport in some way, or some ideas that are not always accurate about trail and ultra running. Um, and we actually had a chance to do this kind of similar conversation a couple of years ago. So maybe it's time to update a few ideas uh, or like refresh people's mind about the topics that, that we're going to touch. Um, so yeah, I I actually got inspiration from an article that I read uh, on uh, outside and then also from the conversation that we did, uh, that we recorded uh, basically two years ago. And it was one of the first episodes of uh, the Running Long podcast. Um. And the last thing I wanted to add before uh, diving into the conversation is that actually it would be good if you can, you meaning the audience, can reach out to us with further questions, topics, or doubts so that we can maybe record another podcast covering that. Uh, and for this, yeah. for this reason, I will leave you a question box on Spotify where you can submit your question and... Um, of course, you can also reach out to me on Instagram and uh, on the virtual Instagram page. Um, and also, like, if you have any suggestions about, you know, topics or guests that you would like to have on the podcast, uh, we're always open to new ideas. Um, and we love talking about training and new things. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Let's start. So, um for, for a lot of people, especially the ones coming from the road where, you know, speed and pace is the number one variable, there is this very common misconception that training for trail, trail running and ultras will make you slow. Um, <laughs> this is probably like the number one misconception um, that athletes from with road a road or track yeah. background have. Yeah. Uh, so um, what can you tell us about it? What's, I, what what's I, your take on that? Yeah, I would like to start saying that you are the living proof that that is uh, <laughs> basically a lie, right? So um, there is many examples out there, basically. Uh, but I can start with you, you know, saying that um, I don't believe that's true at all. Uh, and of course, there's always, you know, um, certain ideas that you can tap into your training in order to lean into, you know, keeping some speed, you know, in your legs, you know, if you are looking to do that. But overall, as a concept, I don't believe that's true. Uh, even though if you, you know, stop doing speed work or whatever, I think 
if you jump on the trails, you know, and continue developing your aerobic engine uh, for a long time, which is this is this is the part that is not that easy, right? The long time period uh, and like consistency. I think eventually you will get faster uh, no matter what. Uh, but then, of course, if you are smart and you get a coach, you know, and you're following some structure, you know, and you throw in some specific sessions, you know, on a weekly basis or even like every two couple of weeks, uh, I think you can definitely get faster uh, doing trails. And yeah, for sure. I mean, if you are like, you know, uh, more into the mountaineering type of stuff, you know, or you're more like into scramble, uh, you know, there there may be the chance that you lack that, you know, leg turnover, basically, uh, if you are, you know, up on the mountains, you know, especially at altitude or something like that, you may lose some of that sharpness in your legs. But like, let's assume, you know, most people when they do trail running, they refer to, you know, normal trails, right? So in normal trails, you can definitely, you know, speed up the pace and do, you know, intervals and, you know, threshold work or whatever. Uh, so there are many ways that you can you know, dabble into the trail and ultra scene without losing your speed or without being afraid of losing your speed. Um, and I think you more than everybody else, you know, have some good examples of how things, you know, can work in that direction. So yeah, basically you you have, you know, what, 216 marathon and, and you literally run less than clear in a 80K race uh, in a very technical course, you know, a couple of weeks ago, like super, super fast. So there you go. You don't need to be slow to be on the trails. Of course. Um, yeah, there, you know, it's just not just me, but there are many examples at a high level, but also at an, an average level of people who can run fast on trails, off trails, on the road, uh, just everywhere. And um, I was thinking like regarding training in general, you get better in what you train for. So of course, if you don't train speed, your speed is going to suffer. Uh, you're going to get slower. But if you train speed, if you base your training on quality and you can always run a big mileage, you can always train for ultras, but you make sure you get your workouts in uh, and not only focus on you know power hiking and easy running, aerobic running and endurance. But if you keep the quality uh, with you know, VO2 max work, threshold with strides and all the good workouts that you can do even when training for an ultra, you will not lose speed. And also I wanted to add that, you know, training should be specific for the athlete and for whatever goal you may have. So of course, if you're training for an ultra, you're going to neglect some speed, but like there are so many examples of ultra trail athletes who maybe you know, they want to focus on a road marathon or a 10K race during the winter or during like the off season when they're far from their races. And uh, another example that comes to my mind is Mathieu Blanchard. Uh, you know, he ran UTMB and placed second under 20 hours last year. And uh, this year he actually ran a 220 marathon in Paris. So, yeah. you know, he went from running, you know, a lot of miles at probably 15 minute mile pace or, you know, 10 minute kilometer. And then he went on to run 42 K at 320 pace or like five minute 20 per mile. So that's another great example. You know, you get better yeah. at what you train for. And this is like an always true principle uh, about training. 
And um, actually, another thing that I wanted to add, um, coming back to, you know, our coaching philosophy and our our training plans, we have several training plans that uh, can help you improve your speed and focus on speed, um, both for trail running and also for road running. You know, um, so many good athletes that we've partnered with, uh, Grayson Murphy. Uh, the new brand new Head and Ox 100K pro- program, which includes pr- plenty of speed work. Uh, Rootcraft, I think, is another high quality, um, yeah. intensity focused uh, training pro- program for the 50K distance. Yeah. Your two programs, too. Good yeah, program. yeah, yeah. There are awesome. so many good examples. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, like if we want to, if we want to get super specific, it's funny because, you know, like, Pascal Pascal Legley had one of these uh, 50k programs without that you know it's it's basically made for kind of the the technical you know 50k or yeah. or kind of the sky running type of thing but in that program you know he had some like you know 1000 meter intervals like 800 meters intervals yeah. which i know for a lot of people may be like weird but like you know that's the way to literally continue working on your speed at the same time that you're improving your endurance and just like you feeling comfortable going long in the mountain so as you were saying at the beginning it's all about you know just being smart and hopefully you know having a coach that can guide you through this process and also making sure that you are not neg- ne- neglecting is the right word right and the, the the key things that you need to keep in you know i guess on a weekly basis or at least with some consistency and within your training program yeah exactly and then like it's, it's fine even Sorry, for yeah Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Even you know, even for sky running, you know, the technical section during a race may be kind of limited. Like even the races that are described as very technical, like the scrambling part, the actual scrambling part, yeah. is not like the whole race. So you still have to be yes. able to run relatively fast in the for other sure. sections of the race, even for a technical race. Yeah, it's and I think it's it's one of those things that. I think maybe we we in general speaking of the industry as a whole, you know, we haven't been able to really communicate this in the proper way because there are many many examples out there, and not just from this, you know, um, you know, late years, but like you know, you have um, Jonah Wyatt, you know, which has, I don't know his oh, yeah. PR in the marathon, but like he did, you know, an amazing time back in the day in the marathon, and then just coming off from some mountain running, and then of course you have you know. Matt Carpenter too, running yep. super strong on the roads, on the trails, at altitude, uh, just to name a couple of examples. And nowadays, again, you have you, there is Ninke, you know, there's Killian, of course, there is Jim, there is Matthew. Uh, so there's many people out there that have proved that you can definitely, you know, get faster and get stronger at the same time, I guess. Exactly. And um yeah, so many ways to get fit for the trails. And uh, another thing that I wanted to add is like it's not necessary that you like it's not necessary to focus on speed we just think that speed is is useful and can benefit your training but if you don't like road racing road running you can always train that on on the trails but i think starting from the quality of training always pays off in general so uh let's move to the misconception number 2 um you have to live in the mountains in order to succeed at trail running, which is another, you know, fairly common 
idea that you know people who don't live in the mountains which in the end are probably the, the majority of the world's population cannot do trail running first of all trail running doesn't mean mountain running so um you know it doesn't trail running doesn't necessarily have to be or to include a ton of elevation gain there are plenty of flat races or relatively flat races i'm thinking about you know the the UTMB race they they ran in um, in Sweden last week uh Kulamanen yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. like a of course they had the three distances 50k 100k 100 mile and with like very little elevation along the Swedish yeah. coast um so just an example of very a race. muddy yeah. yeah of a race that doesn't have uh pretty much any elevation um but even if you want to trail for mountain running trail running and you know be fit for for the mountains and you don't live in a place with a lot of hills you can still get fit and be competitive or like be prepared to uh complete or succeed at these races yeah yeah i think i completely agree too i think this is one of the biggest misconception that people you know in our sport have especially coming from um maybe yeah maybe not so much the road but in general just people are afraid of the trails when they they don't have um when they haven't had any basically experience you know either like hiking you know climbing or everything else that you can do on on the outdoors um and i think yeah i, I I, I I do struggle a little bit with this concept of like, you know, saying um, that trail running, it's basically everything. And uh, I do know that there are many different ways of trail running, basically, you know, as you were saying, maybe mountain running is not the same as trail running. And yeah, to we always try to simplify stuff uh, to make it easier for people to understand. But of course, it's, it's very different, you know, running, you know, um, let's say Trofeo Kima, you know, for, from like Javelina 100, right? So yeah. those technically are trail running, uh, but those are very, very different things, Super right? Different. Regardless of the distance or, or even the, um, just like the, the, the scope of the things, uh, you need to, you need to make sure that you need, to, you need to make sure that, uh, if this is going to be your first time attempting a trail race, ideally try to do something within your you know comfort zone or at exactly. least you know if you don't have big mountains you know around you don't go and try to run something that is super steep and super technical right exactly uh, but but uh but that doesn't mean that you can try right and of course training plays a huge factor in that and again trying to follow some sort of guideline of how can you work you know um in your training in order to to be able to run on the mountains is a big aspect of it uh but then again it's also a matter of experience right so you know i think taking your time being consistent with your training and just make sure that you are doing some key elements you know to make sure you are you are compensating maybe for that lack of birth within exactly. your training it's it's, exactly. it's huge right and then, and then, of course, yeah, maybe, you know, training in a city, it's not as fun as we would like to do, uh, you know, if we were running in the Alps or in, or in the Rockies, for example. Uh, but then again, you have to be creative, right? You, you may want to jump on a treadmill that has inclined, you know, maybe jump on a Stairmaster or, or use anything that you can to your, um, 
within your region, right? To to just make sure that you are compensating for that lack of uh, vertical gain, but uh, but it can be done for sure. Totally, totally. Uh, I think in in this regard, like sometimes the media didn't do a good job in painting the picture of what running is because you know when you see an advertisement or a campaign on trail running, it's always like small people running in big mountains and that's kind of the cliche. And of course, everyone is yeah. dreams about running around Mont Blanc and it's, it's beautiful. It's a lot of fun, but it's not what trail running always looks like for the vast majority of us. So it's important to understand that. Um, also, I wanted to mention a few pro athletes who are very successful uh, at training for trail and mountain running, but they don't necessarily live in a, you know, in a, in a place where there is a ton of elevation. Uh, Ninka Brinkman, of course, she lives in Zurich. Uh, she's from the Netherlands. She's often, you know, training in the Netherlands. She, she was in Kenya for a training camp. She trains a lot for the roads, but she's still very competitive uh, in the tra- in the tra- on the trails. And uh, another good example that I thought about is uh, Zach Miller when he was living on a cruise ship. Um, yeah, you know, he was he was able to to train and get fit for a trail season by just running on a treadmill and on the deck of the ship, um, and you know, using the the stairs of the ship and doing strength work and everything uh, on that ship. And then you know, I went out and crushed a bunch of trail races. So there are. Of course, examples of people who can excel, uh, even if they don't have very good access to the mountains. And then, of course, it's about being creative, um, including you know plenty of conditioning, strength work, and core work into your training, using whatever small elevation you have around home. You know, from even just a bridge, you know, or or stairs, even you know in the on a, in a stadium, for example, you can do workouts on, on the stairs of the stadium. Um, strength and condition is, 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 of course, very important, especially, for example, to train for both for, for the uphills and the downhills. Um, and I also want to mention plyometrics, which I think is a very yeah. powerful um, type of conditioning cool. that basically yeah. involves jumping. Um and there are, you know, many, many routines that you can find um, on YouTube uh, or like if you if you ask to your veteran coach or to whatever coach you have. Um, there are definitely a lot of ways in which you can supplement for the lack of heels. And of course, even if you, you live in a city and you can't train on the heels or in the mountains during the week, maybe because you work or for other reasons, um, if your trail access is limited, uh, but you can travel during the weekend, of course, it's always a good idea to try to get to the mountains, especially if you're training for a race and try to get to, 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 to make sure you're doing your long runs on a terrain that is as similar as possible to the race that you're signed up to. Um, and that will give you confidence and, uh, a good terrain to, to build up for your race. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I completely agree with everything. And and again, coming back to this idea of like 
if maybe you're aiming for your first trail race, you know, um, just try to be easy on yourself and like, don't pick the hardest one that you have, you know, because yeah. I, I believe that there is this idea of like, no, I have to run an ultra or I have to run a mountain ultra. Right. And, and yeah, that's not the truth. Right. I mean, you can, you can start with something that it is, you know, way more uh, easy in terms of like the vertical gain and even the the quality of the trail and everything so don't be hard on yourself right especially if you are new to the sport like don't go and pick the hardest thing that you can pick pick something that it is approachable to you and gain experience and maybe you know after you feel comfortable okay go ahead and you can plan for maybe running a mountain ultra in the future but now having the experience uh, that you have already done a couple of things already so yeah, being realistic, I think, is also very important. Being realistic and don't shoot for perfection because oftentimes good yeah. enough is is enough. Um, and yes. Yeah, it's it's a truth that we can apply in many many fields, not just running and trail running. Uh, you actually mentioned uh, another topic that I wanted to touch: uh, the fact that the misconception that in order to call yourself a trail runner. You have to run ultras. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is, yeah. you know, a, a general cliche that is especially true, probably in the United States, where yeah. you know the the number one distance is probably the hundred miler. Uh, things are starting to change, and I'm noticing a shift and more interest towards shorter races and uh, the so-called sub-ultra distances, which I think is. Uh, a better way to look at the sport, a more healthy approach to the sport for a lot of people. Um, of course, ultras are great, nothing against ultras, but short distances are just as fun, uh, are just as, you know, good. And um, they have the same you dignity can as ultras. Yeah, you can run, for sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, more races uh, during the year. You can recover faster. Um you it's of course for for beginners it's easy to to start to start with a short distance such as a 5k or a half marathon uh, depending on the fitness level and on the terrain um and i think for any athlete regardless if you are a beginner or an experienced athlete there is no other feeling than being prepared for the race or the distance that you want to run like being able to do something very well where you really feel like you can put your best effort, regardless of the distance. And that it's often, you know, way easier in the shorter distance and not so much in the ultras because some people just don't have enough time to train or enough possibilities to, yeah. to get ready for a hundred K or a hundred mile race. And also there is a, a ton of benefit in terms of uh, working on quality and speed, as we were mentioning and also like running economy and you know trash all vo2 max in racing and running sub ultra distances trail races that gaining also, experience too yeah so. that also translates onto ultra running and longer distances as we were mentioning for sure i i, I couldn't agree more I, I would even go as far as saying that like i believe ultras are um just like too much like, i mean it's too much hype around the ultra concept in general that i think it's not really worth it um uh, and yeah i know that maybe in the states um kind of the approach is different 
because ultimately for for everybody there it's about like reaching that milestone of running 100 miles which like in europe it's it's never been it's never been like that basically because you always have you know things like sierra Sinal or all the races like the classic races of like the one um, the world mountain series i keep forgetting the name of that series you know but yeah. like the classic you know actual races and everything you know races that have been happening for like 30 plus years now um so i just think like you know first of all there is no need to do an ultra as your first race that's from stars right because I've, we have seen many many people coming to bird you know with almost zero experience or like zero you know experience like coming from other sports before but just aiming to run their first 50k right within yep. you know three to four months which i think is like not the most healthy way to approach a sport um so first of all i think we need to do a better job at just like communicating that you know ultras is not the ultimate goal here the ultimate goal is just to spend time outside, whether that's doing like a VK, 2K, 3K, 5K, 10K, half marathon or whatever it is. And then ultimately, if you decide to run an ultra, that's also okay, but you have to probably work your way towards that, you know, and if that takes, you know, months and even a couple of years, that's also good. Like this is not like a fast track to get to the, you know, 100 mile distance and then, you know, move on to the next thing. I think um, overall, you just need to be aware of like, yeah, training for an ultra, it's a very hard commitment that you have to do with yourself and probably with your family, balancing work, you know, balancing having a having a life basically outside of training and family. So not a lot of people realize this. Um, and I think if they would just be more open to try new formats of races or like just go and experience what it is to run a hard, you know, 20K, right? Yeah. Um, imagine, you know, if more people will sign up for... Um, things like Broken Arrow, right? That has like a 25K, which I think is a pretty good route. Or now the race that, you know, you went through um, uh, that you didn't get to run, but uh, the one from Tim Tollefson, right? And so Mammoth Festival of Races. Fest. Yep. The Mammoth Trail Fest, right? So I think there is a trend now that there are more races popping up, popping up in the States that are offering, you know, sort of ultra distances. And I know that in Europe, there's plenty of options. It's just that they are not maybe super familiar to for a lot of people. Um, so I would definitely encourage people to jump into that idea and just like see, you know, I've I've been kind of toying around with the idea in my head about like how probably running a sub ultra distance, but like running it hard, it's even harder than running an ultra oh, yeah. because, you know, physically it's like very demanding, right? You know, you're completely spent after a short race. Whether the, the ultra thing, it's always about like the mental aspect of it, which of course it's it's maybe one of the things that people are looking to whenever they are doing an ultra. It's still but a like, thing in the shorter usually, distance, but yeah, yeah, in a different yeah, way. But, but it's probably like in a different way, right? In a different way. So a lot of people, you know, just um, kind of skip the idea of like trying to do a run, uh, like a solid run at a shorter thing, in order to kind of finish an ultra whether that's, you know, just making because it's more difficult. the cutoffs. Uh, and, and yeah, just, I guess, because they want to brag that they have done an ultra, right? But for me, you know, whenever it says that they can run a VK in 40 minutes, that's kind of harder than just finishing a 50K in 12 hours. Uh, and I think we do need to be better at like just saying that, you know, out loud. Because of course, again, running ultras is very hard. I've done ultras, you know, that are completely challenging and uh, you get to spend, you know, weeks if not months recovering from that one um 
But then I also have done, you know, 50K race, 40K race, 30K race that have completely blown my mind in terms of like, you know, how hard it is to really, uh, you know, finish those and, you know, try to be the best that you can at those distances. Yeah. So, yeah, yes, I guess coming back to what you were saying, you know, at the beginning, uh, I think people need to be more open to it, right? Uh, and not just fo single focus on the like, running ultras all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And as I mentioned, things are, are starting to shift. Um, you gave two good examples regarding Broken Arrow and Mammoth Trail Fest. You know, this kind of festivals, including both short and long distance, are actually giving more and more people the opportunity to experience what trail running is about. And actually, the goal of people like, you know, Tim Tollefson organizing Mammoth Trail Fest was having an event that, that was as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. And I think he achieved that by, you know, including a 26K race, a vertical race, and then of course a, a 50K. So overall, like a very complete and welcoming event uh, that was suitable for, for many people from, you know, beginners to the pros. And um, I'm actually seeing that same shift, for example, within the UTMB World Series, uh, where like several several of their races include a, a 50K options, but also a 20K option, uh, or even, you know, around that distance, 15K to 30K. So that would be 10 to 20 miles. Um, of course, to give more people the chance to experience trail running. And uh, then, of course, I understand it's, the ultimate goal of many people who come to trail running to run an ultra 50k 100k but you have to get there gradually and develop a good relationship with running like you don't do it for the outcome the result the fact that you're able to tell your friends or post on social media that you run an ultra you have to do it for yourself to appreciate the training and love the process of running training and get fit and uh, as I mentioned, being able to do something really well. One of the things that I used to say a lot, uh, it's it will always be easier to run one more mile, but to run a given distance at a faster pace is probably more difficult. So not a lot of people get that. And I think we yeah. should give importance to that type of quality instead of like necessarily uh, highlighting uh, how epic it is to run 100 miles, 200 miles, or, you know, even more. Of yeah. course, that's pretty epic. And I'm not taking anything away from that. But it's also yeah. pretty epic what, you know, Remy Bonnet did on Pikes Peak running uh, in two yeah. hours, 20 seconds. Breaking the record, breaking the record uh, of Matt, Matt Carpenter, for example. But yeah. how many people yeah. can actually understand that? <laughs> very very few for sure and i not think as many. yeah um again not as many for sure uh but i think yeah um like the work that you know something like the golden trail series is doing it's it's great for opening this space in order to like just broad, broadcast you know all of these races that are sub ultras and of course a lot of them are very hard to get into like sagama or like zero Sinal. uh but i'm just saying that you know having this shift in focus on like okay it's fun to see also to like for example you you know going head to head 
with Remy on a short race, you know, which is something that you can actually not see a lot in ultras because usually there is one or two guys at the front and then all of the rest just, you know, it's a race for surviving, right? And of course, not all of the races are like that, but a lot of the ultras are about just like getting to the finish line. But then on this shorter stuff, you know, uh, whenever you get to see, you know, the guys at the front, which are usually like 20 instead of two, you know, it, it's super excited to see. And the yeah. same thing with, you know, sky running, right? Um, there are many 20Ks, 30Ks that on paper, right, it looks like something easy, but then you can see guys like Manu Maria going down a mountain, you know, you know, flying down a mountain on a super technical course. And you realize like, whoa, this is something that I cannot even like attempt to do well, while I can do, you know, ultras probably, because as you were saying, right, it may be easier to go further than going faster. Yeah, um, exactly. So I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the future regarding how, you know, again, one of the Golden Trail series is doing in terms of like opening in this space and then again, continue to support, I guess, the races like Skyrunning, uh, especially the classics one, um, because I believe there are space for everybody, everything, you know, in, yes. in trail running and ultras, not just, you know, the hundred miles out there. Yeah. From a fan's perspective, the shorter distances are often way more exciting than ultras because things are happening you know faster uh in a long ultra even utmb everything is happening pretty slow and maybe nothing happens for you know a few hours uh you yeah. can you know tune in in the live stream at night and then check in again in the yeah. morning and nothing has really changed or maybe yes, but yeah. uh, in a short distance, things are happening more quickly. And oftentimes, I find it more exciting to follow from a fan's perspective. But yeah, sure. um, just bottom line, uh, there is room for everyone, for every approach. And uh, what we really value as coaches, as uh, you know, veteran people, is a sustainable approach to running and trail running in general. So regardless if you're running long or short distance, do what makes you happy and do it sustainably. I think that's the main message. I, I yeah, I completely agree. And I think I think it's also good to say that you can always mix it up. You know, uh, oh yeah, for one season you you can just you know say okay, like my main goal will be to run an ultra, and then the next season will be okay. I will just do you know. 10Ks or whatever. So it's not like we need to stick with one thing all the time. Like not because you have run an ultra, it defines you as an ultra runner and not because you haven't run an ultra, it defines you as a trail runner, right? So also, I think it's good to always, I, I think you're a good example of that too, especially oh, nowadays yeah. that you <laughs> dabbled into ultras, right? Uh, and you yeah. and they are, they are not putting an attack, you know, saying, oh, I'm an ultra runner. No, no, they're just a runner, right? I'm so a runner. The distance <laughs> is just, you know, yeah, the distance is just like a, a funny number that we attach to it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, regarding what you said, um, I think like oftentimes, you know, people who run, say, 100Ks or 100 milers are kind of intimidated to run shorter distances because they think they're not good at running, you know, short, fast races. But I like it doesn't matter how good you are. Like I think it's it's a good challenge to jump in those short distance, you know, for your build up for a longer race 
to just change your scenery, your, you know, your, your usual, um, type of race that, that you do oh, or like, yeah. yeah, keep it fun. Exactly. Do something different, yeah. learn, yeah. um, like get out, get out of your comfort zone and try new things. It's, it's always good. And no matter how fast or slow you are, I mean, there will always be people who are faster than you, regardless of the distance. So like, it doesn't matter your absolute level. What matters is always trying to give your best on a given day, regardless if it's your absolute best, the world's best, uh, or just what you can do on that day. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. Your family and friends will love you regardless if you run <laughs> exactly. So it's all it's all good. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm also um, a big fan of uh, you know shorter races on a build up for a long race um, that allows you to you know to include more competition during the year. And I understand that for a lot yeah. of people, competing is exciting. It's fun. It's fun for me as well. Yeah. Um, but it's probably not sustainable to do, you know, many, many ultras in the same season, in the same year without enough recovery, but you can, you know, maybe choose two or three ultras and then do uh, other short races to, to build up for those ultras. Awesome. Yes. I think we, we touched many, many topics on this one. Misconception <laughs> number four. You have to commit to either roads or trails. And this is a topic that we've touched already <laughs> a little bit. Um, of this course, you know. Like I'm praising you. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like you're one of those really good examples of like, you don't have to do that at all, right? And yeah. I am the contrary of that. Yeah. If you, yeah. And to be honest, you have been a really big inspiration uh, since we, we have been working together with the uh, with the hashtag you know any service available um, oh yeah <laughs> because um yeah i guess you know maybe eight years ago or six years ago i was like you know no i'm running trails you know the more rocks i can find you know the better but then i've been slowly transitioning into this idea of like you know again i'm just running right so at the end of the day i don't care if it is a trail if it is a road if it is you know a bike path of course, if I can choose, you know, um, I would probably always rather to be on the trails, especially if it is high on the mountains. But also, to be honest, like I can't do that now every day, not even every week now. Um, so I think it's maybe one of those things that you come to the sport with this notion that you have to stick to either the trails or the road. But eventually, I guess after some time and experience, um, you realize that it really doesn't matter, right? Um, as long as you're having fun and as long as you're challenging yourself, yeah, um, you can always mix it up. Or again, you can decide to, okay, I want to do a marathon, a half marathon on the road. So I will focus on that for the next eight weeks and then I'll get back to the trails or whatever. Like you don't need to put a tag on yourself. Yeah. And of course, like if you're training for a goal for a race, uh, training needs to be specific. So like, the closer you are to your goal, to your race, the more you will run on a similar uh, terrain as that of your race. So if you're preparing for a trail race, of course, you're going to run more on the trails. But that doesn't mean that, you know, for another preparation or for your buildup or for your quality workouts, whatever, 
you cannot run on the roads. Um, and that is like very true for the type of preparation that I do. Of course, I do workouts and long runs and easy runs on the trails, but oftentimes I go out and, you know, crush a VO2 max workout on the track or a tempo run on the roads or on the bike trail, whatever. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter what surface you're training on. Um, if you're, yeah. if you know what you're doing, if you have a, a good training plan for what yeah. you're training for. Yeah, I 100% agree. And also to, and I know that maybe we both love this idea of like just getting out of your front or like basically door to trails, kind of that yeah. approach too. So a lot of the time I'm doing both, right? So I'm, I'm literally, you know, getting out of my front door and, you know, be on the road for like 30 minutes and then another 30 minutes on the trail and then coming back home for another 30 minutes on the road. So like a lot of the time I'll just mix it up, right? So. Oh yeah, for I, easy I runs and long just, runs, it's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't have to stick to either, even on a single session. Uh, of course, you don't have to even do that on a single week, but um, you have to be open, right? I, and yeah, you were saying, of course, as you approach a goal race or a goal, a specific goal that you have in mind, the more specific you can be with your training, the, the better. Yeah. Uh, but uh, depending on where you are in your season, you can always mix it up. So I think you also have to have that freedom of yeah. like, um, you know, just work with whatever you have available to and going back to this principle of like if you live in a city you're probably not running on trails very often right so you are just being creative running on parks you know running on a stadium running stairs running you know on the roads a lot of the time bike paths or whatever if you live by the beach you're probably running on sun some days too so you don't have to be defined by the surface right in the end you know we are just runners exactly um and um, maybe related to to vert, uh, I think a lot of people don't actually know that we're offering uh, road running training plans or like road running options for trail runners. So do you want to go through some of the training plans that we have for, you know, marathon, half marathons and uh, road stuff, basically? Yeah, yeah, that's a good plug. <laughs> we we have the road marathon program that you design, which is a really good one, especially if you're coming from a trail background, right? Because it's not like super hardcore uh, right away. And then we recently launched... It actually includes some program. trail running within your marathon yes, preparation. Yes. So like you don't have to completely abandon the, the trails road, yeah. to just focus on the roads. Of course, you're going to do workouts, specific workouts for the marathons and long runs on tarmac but not everything is on the road i promise <laughs> exactly no no yeah I, I can i can also yeah attest to that um yeah we recently launched and, and maybe we did like a soft launch because we, we do this for the people that we already have currently training with us because we know from experience that a lot of people especially this time of the year decide to just maybe for fun or for doing something different they want to jump into a road race so we now have a half marathon program and a 10k program and i'm actually working now on this 5k program that um Tabor Heming delivers to us so we, we will continue awesome. expanding of this on this you know front um of course always keeping you know trail runners and ultra in mind but uh again myself you know i i, I ran a marathon last year my did my first marathon in more than 10 years of doing trails and ultra so it's, it's never too late to 
to jump on a road race. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that we can continue, you know, um, growing our offering in for the roads for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just to add to what you said, we have a half marathon plan and also, for example, Grayson Murphy's, uh, speed plan yeah. works really well for 10 K to from from the 10k to the half marathon distance so if like jumping on a 10k is really easy because it doesn't require a ton of training and you can of course recover quite fast so it's it's always good for your preparation or even you know park runs that are becoming very yeah. popular especially here in europe um and a lot of people are actually asking me can i run you know a park run can i run a short cross-country race yeah of course it's it's always a good workout, even if you're you're a trail runner. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Um, misconception number five is about descents. Technical descending is impossible and scary. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, I've I've done some pretty scary scary stuff. Um, you know, um, along my running career, but. But uh, I think, to be honest, from all of the misconceptions, this is probably the one that is um, the most true in mm -hmm. in in the pure. Um, I mean, if you read it literally, right? I know for a fact that a lot of people will um, be scared of running in the Alps, especially or some parts, you know, in the Rockies. It depends uh, how you define because technical, you come... because you know, for for killing yeah. journey, technical yeah, yeah. is not what. <laughs> It means for me, and it's not what it means for yeah. a person who comes from the city. Uh, so, for sure, it leaves room. Which to... is the thing that makes it easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, we need some context for this one, right? Because exactly. As you were saying, right? Um, of course, you know, for Kilian, can that it can scramble five grade, you know, on a, on a rock face. For him, nothing is technical. But then, for someone who lives in New York, right? Um, like for Steve, for example, that one of our coaches, you know, that uh, ran ETC this year, like he probably found that descent very technical compared to what he usually do, you know, in, in the New York area. And of course, it depends on, you know, where you usually train, the races that you have done, just uh, basically to kind of the context of uh, maybe some of the friends that you have too. And if, if you have seen them, you know, do some crazy stuff on the mountains, your, I guess your... Um, approach to the technical stuff gets wider and wider and you become more familiar with it um exactly. so for sure if you come from a city you know looking at this you know the sense that you have in some races it can be very scary uh and for sure there is a way for i guess tackle those sort of you know courses uh the like um the way is yeah, it also... getting more comfortable gradually and training and exactly practicing exactly. as always exactly. Confidence is, to, is like, the key, like building confidence on those downhills and starting from, you know, non-technical descents and slowly working in more technicality, aiming to just running as efficiently and as safe as possible, even when the trail gets more technical, more, more slippery, more exposed sometimes. Um, but you have to do it gradually and, and build confidence and stay safe. 100%. I, I think what you said that is the key, you know, it's like built up towards it. Yeah. And and to be honest, and not to be, um, I mean, not, not to make it even harder for people, but like it can literally take years, 
right? Uh, and this is not a process that you can just jump in and say like, okay, I want to run a super technical race in six months, right? Because it can take literally a couple of seasons for you to get really comfortable with it. Yes. And like just to put an, just to put an example of it, you know, um, so I ran my first Kima in, in 2016, and I I've always been a kind of a technical runner. I've always been quote unquote good at that stuff. But the first time that I did that race, and even that I have trained in the course for you know weeks before that race, like it just blew my mind how the Italians you know run that I mean, course. To give some um, t- some context, Kima is considered one of the most technical and hardest sky races in the world. So like that is. At, that's at the top end of the technicality of yeah, yeah I guess it's just like <laughs> yeah this is like the extreme example of how yeah. can you go about this stuff but I was just gonna say that you know so I did it the first year and it blew my mind you know how those runners were able to just like go around these downhills that I came back in 2018 and I was still shocked you know and I, I did the same thing in 2022 and you know it, it's taking me years to just nail how these guys can really run that hard you know on a technical terrain and I, I'm I'm at peace with the fact that probably I will never be as good as them because, you know, it's, it's maybe one of those things that you have to be born in that sort of environment in order to be really good at it. But that doesn't mean that I've been getting better and better at, you know, these oh, challenging yeah. courses, right? And and again, every, everything is different, right? Like, you know, there is schema that I have the example of like Glencoe, which is like now I think a defunct race. I think it's not going to happen anymore, but like, it's very technical in a different way. Regard, I mean, there is no altitude there. There is, you know, everything is wet, for example, you know, because it is Scotland and everything. So what, I, what I'm trying to say is like context is like really important here. So if, again, coming back to this idea of like what I find technical, may, you may not find it technical and be the other way around. So it's always important to be specific when you talk about this stuff and exactly. train specifically, you know, for whenever you're challenging yourself in this type of terrains. Yeah. 100% agree and just wanted to add the maybe a few ideas or, or tips to better handle the downhills and being more comfortable on the downhills which is uh, eventually the the goal um of course of course it's, it's always good to to go with a friend who is maybe more comfortable or more experienced than you and try to to follow your friend uh you can follow his line and see you know the trajectory that he picks uh on his way down on the trail uh a good idea is to also take small steps and think fast feet uh instead of you know taking big steps uh which are yeah. more difficult especially on technical terrain and on the rocks and uh, also like not looking straight down to your feet, but maybe five or six meters in front of you and trying to anticipate the obstacles and, um, you know, the, the technical features on the trail. Um, because like looking down at your feet, it's already too late because you're already stepping on that terrain and you don't have time to anticipate the obstacles and uh, adjust your balance and your your movement. And, and then, of course, as we mentioned before, it's very important that your body is strong. So working on your core and uh, build, building your quads is actually very important. And you can do that in the gym. Um, you can do that, you know, even if you live in a city. And um, I think a few weeks ago, I was reading um, an article on uh, Jason Coop's journal. Um, 
And I think everyone has experienced the feeling of, you know, burning quads and soreness after maybe the first downhill of the season, but it actually requires very little adaptation and maybe just, you know, two or three downhills to build strong quads so that you can handle even pretty long downhills. So that is to say that it's relatively easy on that side, on a muscular side, but then like building the confidence and, uh, you know, having the, the eye, um, the visualization in order to go fast on a downhill is another thing and requires much more practice. Yeah. yeah. And, and overall you just need to train the downhills, right? A lot yeah. of the people always focus, you know, on the uphills, you know, and, and do a lot of intervals and like threshold work uphill and they never really take care of their downhills uh, skills. So it takes time. It takes time. And of course, always yeah, you have to be cautious too because there is highly chance that you can get injury going down, not downhill really fast, especially if you don't have a good technique or anything. So take your time, you know, work on your downhills and and, and just be patient, I guess. And and to the fact, and, and I know that this may be controversial to some people, but uh, um, I think also like the shoe that you were on, on some specific yep. course can really make a difference too, especially when you want to feel, you know, um, confidence on your downhill skills. So maybe, you know, for a normal race, you 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 don't need to pay super extra attention to the shoes that you're wearing as long as they are comfortable. But if you're planning on, you know, doing a challenging course, you know, it may, it may require that you maybe, you know, play around with some different options, just like the difference in the height of the shoes, you know. If they Consider have the, the grip of your shoes, I think. The grip. Yes, yeah. I think I it's mean, it's very think, important to be comfortable. Um, yes, and like try not to to sleep. Of course, some kind of terrains, especially if it's wet or or snowy, it's it's of course going to be slippery, regardless of what shoes yeah. you're wearing. But uh, different models of shoes can make a difference. And uh, yes. I think the Vibram outsole, for example, uh, uh, sorry, the Vibram sole is is very good, for example, and uh, Regarding that, I'm very excited about the 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 new Zagama, the Zagama two coming out next year with the Vibram. So this is uh, maybe a, a secret uh, that I I don't know if I can share, but I'm gonna share it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the Zagama with Vibram is coming out uh, in the spring. Uh, super excited about it, and uh, yeah, it's a shoe that I already love, and um, I think it's gonna be even better. Uh, that's, that's great to hear and yeah like uh, we are not big into like you have to have fancy gear for trail running i don't i don't believe no. that at all but uh but i do think like again coming back to this idea of like being specific depending on the type of race that you want to do you may want to look into this type of stuff if you are planning on you know feeling more comfortable going hard on a downhill yeah yeah final misconception is about the volume of training. You have to run very high mileage in order to succeed at ultras. And uh, I want to add in trail running in general. And of course, volume is a, you know, a, a fundamental parameter related to training. Um, just says, you know, elevation, training time, distance, uh, and a bunch of other things. But it just a parameter that you know without the whole context of training 
yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of sense, I think. Um, and there are yeah. like many ways to train for long distances, even without running a huge mileage. Um, for example, consider like all the cross training that you can do with the bike, for example. That can be a huge part of your training. So even if you're running maybe not a ton of hour on the trails, because running a big mileage can can be dangerous, can be can lead to injuries, you know, can lead to overtraining. But if you're supplementing with the bikes, with the bike, with other types of cross training, you can still get really fit for an ultra, even if you're not running a whole lot of miles. And uh, as I was yeah. mentioning, the volume needs to be considered um, in the whole context of your training. And uh, we need to understand that it's it's not everything. It's important. It's important to have a good endurance-based base and to to run you know, a good base of easy miles and to put a little bit of intensity on top of that, but volume is not everything. I 100% agree. Um, it's funny because I, I guess like I'm very into volume in general, because, but not for the sake of volume. It's just because I enjoy spending time outside, right? So I've always looked at this in the way like, I know that a lot of people, you know, train the most efficient way because they lack time to spend time outside, right? And I think in, in those cases, you know, there are many proofs out there of people that have been able to quote unquote run very little, but then have a really strong result, you know, with that, you know, with that kind of training. And but on the other hand, there is a lot of people with high volume, you know, or insane volume out there that of course have also been able to, yeah, you know, get good results and stay injury free. So again, coming back to this idea that I think it's been revolving for the for for all of the misconceptions being a specific and having context for your own training is very important right so don't don't always you know think that because your friend is running x amount of you know miles a week that means that you have to do the same right super and important. not because you, and not because you are not able to you know dedicate x amount of time a week it doesn't mean that you can train for an ultra yeah so I think this is one of those big, big misconceptions that people has, right? And I think it's very important to make sure that planning is very important. Training consistently is super important. And, and just, yeah. you know, being accountable with your training, it's it's key at the end of the day. So, again, if you are looking to maybe do something big, you know, your next season, make sure that you are training, you know, maybe six months in advance if you are not able to, like, put big weeks, you know, every week leading up to a challenge but just having that huge base will help you you know maybe have the same effect that's of, of someone that it's not been training for so long but it's just been able to put more time on their feet you know leading up to an event so everybody's different and don't feel like you need to replicate what others are doing and always kind of lean into whatever works best with your schedule with your family with exactly. your work just make and just make sure that you are you know being consistent with it right Super, super important. Couldn't agree more. Um, related to that, consistency is way more important than any workout, any big volume week that you can do. So like, it's way more important that you stay consistent in, in your training for, you know, six months, one year, two year, whatever, than 
you know, doing a short but very intense preparation, which can can lead to injuries, and it's not actually gonna make that big of a difference for your preparation for for an ultra. Also, I wanted to mention, and this is a question that that we probably get asked quite often as coaches. Some people are not are kind of afraid uh, when they look at their training plan that their long runs are not long enough to get them ready for their goal race, regardless of, of the distance of the race. And again, that needs to be considered in the context of the training. Like it's not necessary to run the same distance as your race in your preparation. It's not necessary to run the same amount of time or half of the distance or whatever arbitrary number you put in your mind it it's all about the way your training plan is set up so even if you're you know training for a 50k trail race maybe a three hour long run is enough like it doesn't mean that you're not training for that distance if you're out of for three hours and maybe completing 20 kilometers in those three hours like everything needs to be considered within the context exactly. of your training yeah. and specificity is a thing. Uh, so yeah, that's totally, I, I, I think to a lot of, I, I think a lot of the people who come to the sport without um, having any background on sports or, or running at least, um, they really struggle with the idea of training by time instead of by miles mm -hmm. and kilometers. And, you know, I think this is something that also too comes from the marathon training kind of, programs that you know they make you run you know the classic thing is like run a 20 mile before your marathon and that will give you confidence that you can finish the thing right but, but of course like we can't really apply that same thing to others because you know if you want to run a 50 mile let's say you know that doesn't mean that you have to go and run a marathon you know two weeks before your race because you know within the context of your training that's probably you know not right it could be a little bit too much you can get injured you know maybe you don't have the time to put that you know in your schedule too so I think it's very important to communicate that, you know, trail run, trail running in general and ultras especially are, you know, always different for everybody. Every race is different. You know, this is not like a marathon that you, you can always kind of pick and choose something that it's along the lines of like being flat or being hilly, right? Some chance you can even try and attempt a flat race, but if the, if the trail is technical, it can take you way more than you were expecting. So yeah, it's, it's super hard to plan ahead for this kind of stuff because there are many elements out there like even like the weather right because if you're going to be there for 10 hours and you know it's going to be super hot during the day right that will probably make you slow down and of course if you have been training you know on cool weather or or in the mornings where it's way cooler you know you may be affected by this at the end result so it's very hard to transmit to people that no matter the distance, it's about the time that you spend on a weekly basis and how consistent you are able to be, you know, week after week, month after month, that that is the ultimate thing that will allow them to finish a race strong. It's not about a single run or even a single back-to-back -back that they are able to do, you know, on a, on, on a week. It, it's it's about the whole journey. And totally. yeah, the context here is it, it's critical. So I, I think this is one of the things that we struggle the most to communicate. And I think we do a decent job at it but we need to continue kind of letting know people that you know uh, 
you know, training by time is just the most approachable way for everybody, especially if you don't have a lot of experience. Maybe, you know, if you're aiming to run a PR on a 50K or whatever, okay, you can put yourself some specific goals regarding distances and, and, and pace, you know, but if you're for some, aiming- For to some sessions, a, yes, but not every, For some sessions, them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I think people need to, I guess, stop looking at their watches all the time. Even, mm-hmm. you know, with all of the stats and the metrics that nowadays we have with heart rate, you know, and all of that stuff, you know, even power now. I think we need to get better at being in tune with yeah. how are we feeling, you know, and, and the amount of time that we are able to put in our training that is sustainable in time, right? Yeah. In order to be happy, right? In order to to have a good life, in order to enjoy spending time with our friends, having a good time at work, and then also being able to train what we want to train for for a specific race. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we are overwhelmed by the data because we have access to a lot of technology and data, but ultimately it's all about how we feel and how we respond to training. And I was actually chatting about it on a recent podcast episode with uh, Emily Hoggood, who is a, of course, a world-class athlete and also a really good coach. Um, and yeah, we, we were pretty much on the same same line about that. Just wanted to add a few final thoughts before we wrap up our conversation. Um, I think in general, there are a lot of training misconceptions and uh, maybe fears also surrounding yeah. the trail and ultramarathon space. And I think some media have contributed to the confusion by sharing wrong information or maybe highlighting some marginal aspects about training and racing that by many people are not considered fundamental, but they are not what trail running is actually about. And um, also, like, for example, the idea that there is the perfect workout, the perfect preparation, or the perfect gel, the perfect nutrition strategy that will allow you to achieve your goal or finish your race or get a PB. Um, that's just not true. It's just, you know, a marketing strategy sometimes that aims you at making want you to buy more products or think that you need this or that technology in order to, to achieve your goal. What exists is consistency, knowledge, and a holistic approach to training that takes into account uh, the individual in all his peculiarities and specificity not just the training but everything there is around it your work your family your your life your passion yeah and the fact that training is the sum of uh, small repeated efforts and adaptation which lead to progress which i think it's important to understand is non-linear even for the best athletes because it's a journey that is full of up and downs of uh, you know setbacks and sometimes breakthrough of periods of uh, stagnations and plateau and periods of growth, maybe when you don't really expect it. So like what you got to do is just keep showing up, keep running, keep trying, keep training, seek seek guidance, and uh, of course get, get support from a good coach or an expert. Join a training group or a running club, a running club like... We have our own little verse run club where we you know, try to share all this type of information. We are a great community from 
passionate runners from all over the world. And also trust the process, which may sound like a little bit of a cliche, but it's actually yeah. the best way to have a healthy and long-term relationship with the sport, which uh, ultimately is what I want to try to transmit to people. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great summarize. Um, I couldn't agree more with all of the points there. All right. <laughs> Until next time. I hope yeah, that, uh, um, yeah, again, I encourage people to to reach out and uh, yeah, maybe yeah, submit questions or, you know, training topics or guests or anything that we, they would like to hear on the podcast. We're completely open hey, to that. I agree. And, and this is also the time of the year that, you know, we are not always kind of with a race in front of us. So it may be good to just hear out from people and whatever they feel like it's worth, you know, chatting about. So, yeah. Yeah. And use this this extra time to to educate ourselves. I think yes. education and knowledge uh, about training is just as important as the training itself, so that you actually know what you're doing when you're out there. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Max. Uh, until next time. Ciao, Fran. Thank you, and happy trails to everybody. Happy trails, of course. Thank you so much for listening to our great interview today. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us with a rating and a review in your podcast player or by sharing it on social media, tagging me and Bertrand. We would really appreciate that. If you haven't already downloaded the Bertrand app, I encourage you to do so. There, you can connect for free with our trail runners of all levels in the Bertrand community in our in-app groups. You can stay in trail shape with our free workout videos and get affordable coaching for your next trail running goal for only $25 a month. Thanks again for being here today. Until next time, I'm Francesco Puppi. Thank you for listening to Running Long.